Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, and welcome to the Love Life Connection podcast, a podcast for successful women who feel like they have it all except love. I'm your host, Veronica Grant, a love and life coach. And my only goal with this podcast is to inspire you to believe in yourself and that real love is possible for you, even in our swipe right, swipe left world. Hello, and welcome to episode number 229 of the Love Life Connection podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I'm super excited to be connecting with you again this week. And we're going to jump right into this episode. I'm going to keep this intro nice and short, because this episode runs a little longer than I normally make them. And the reason why it's so long is because I had my good friend and namesake Veronica Preddy onto the show. And if you're new to me, that means you're probably new to Veronica as well. And she's an astrologist and a real housewives historian, her words, not mine. And she is here to talk about the astrology of the remainder of 2020, and specifically how that might affect your love life. And also we talk about the bigger picture. We talk about the astrology of what's going to happen or maybe happen with the coronavirus, Black Lives Matter, the election, and really just like the direction that America and the world is going in in general. So it's a really fascinating conversation. I am a political junkie. I think astrology is fascinating. So of course, I could just have kept asking Veronica questions all day long. Veronica loves talking about this stuff. So it's just a recipe for a much longer episode. I think you're really going to enjoy this one. And if you're new to Veronica, you're really going to love her energy. And if you've listened to her episodes that I've had previously on the podcast with her, then I hope you are glad to see her back. And I've also put links to her other episodes with us on the Love Life Connection on the show notes page, because she does refer to some things that have happened earlier on in the year. And so if you want to listen to those episodes, that can give you some context to what she's talking about in this episode. Definitely not required. But if you want to just nerd out a little bit more, then we have those links in the show notes so you can listen to them as well. And one more thing before we get going with my conversation with Veronica, I just want to let you know that I am running a little special for Crappy to Happy. So if you don't know what Crappy to Happy is, that is my self-study e-course that takes you through the exact step-by-step process. I take my clients through to shift their love blocks so that they can attract in the relationship that they want. And when you join Crappy to Happy, you always get a 30-minute bonus coaching session with me, which is pretty sweet. But for this month only, you also can join a pop-up Facebook group that I've created for everyone who's already in Crappy to Happy and anyone who joins Crappy to Happy during this one month period. And so if you want to ask more questions, if you want to, you know, understand how something might directly affect you and your unique situation, then this will be a really, really great time to join Crappy to Happy. So if you've been on the fence or thinking about it for a while, then this is definitely your time. Crappy to Happy is always open, you can always join it. However, this 30 day pop up group will definitely be closing at the end of the 30 days. And at the time that you're listening to this, if you're listening to this around the time, 
time that I've released this episode. We're about a week or so into the pop-up group, so not to worry. There's still three weeks where you can have direct access to me. We'll also do some Facebook Lives and group coaching so that I can coach you through specific questions, situationships, understand how things can actually apply and integrate in your life so it actually changes, all that kind of good stuff. So to learn more, you can head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash courses. And that's the page you can check out Crappy to Happy pricing, the structure of the course, everything that we cover. And then as soon as you join, you will receive a link to join us in our pop-up Facebook group where we can personally connect and I would love to support you. So again, veronicagrant.com forward slash courses. And without further ado, let's get to my astro talk with Veronica. Hi, Veronica. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me back. I'm super excited to have you and I'm a little sad this will be our last podcast for this year at least because, you know, I'm pre-recording everything for the fall and it'll be a lot of old episodes, also some new coaching episodes, but I'm really excited for you to come on and talk about astrology and how it's affecting maybe love lives, coronavirus, mm-hmm. elections, mm-hmm. politics, all the things that are happening the rest of 2020. So, yeah, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me back. I'm excited. There's so much astrology this year in general. And as much as we all feel like, oh my God, how can there be more? (laughs) There is more. (laughs) We've like, we actually, the first half of 2020 was just the appetizer. We are, (laughs) this is the main course coming up and we're really about to, we're really getting into it now. So the fall, it's going to you know, August, September, October is going to be pretty intense. And then we have some really good stuff at the end of the year to look forward to. Okay. Okay. So where does it make sense to start? So let's just start. I just want to touch on Venus because I know a lot of your listeners are looking for love or doing their own work around finding love or being Mm -hmm. able to accept love, all of those things. So Venus is our planet of love. She's the goddess of love and beauty and money. So when we're talking about Venus, we always are considering all of those avenues, all of those things that she rules, all of those things that she has a hand in. And Venus is now out of retrograde. It has been for a while. So she's currently in cancer and she's, you know, picking up speed and she's going to go all the way into Sagittarius by the end of the year. She's going to go through the next few signs, but she had this really important retrograde this summer. So earlier this summer, we had Venus retrograde in Gemini. And so we spent all of the summer and part of the spring with Venus in Gemini. And so whenever you are looking at Gemini, you're looking at two choices. There's always two ways you could go, two choices, two options, or more, sometimes multiple. And so normally with Venus and Gemini, I would say it's a great time to taste the rainbow and and (laughs) date lots of different types of people and have fun. And Gemini is social. And some of those people might end up being friends. Don't get hung up on finding the one. Really enjoy all there is out there. And when we first, I think our last podcast we talked about how Venus retrograde in Gemini was going to be a great time to get online because Gemini is ruled by Mercury. Mercury rules our devices, our communication. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people had a lot of dating via Zoom or FaceTime or other technology. So that was an accurate prediction. Whether or not you're meeting people online or you're being set up, you're meeting people in a virtual way, but you weren't necessarily like meeting them for a drink or meeting them for dinner because of this global pandemic that we're living under. So, you know, this heavy cloud over everything in our life has made certain parts of our life more important. And of course, virtual is the most important right now. So a lot of people have had that experience of meeting online and maybe in June, they, June, we kind of got soft. We softened up with the restrictions. Some people started to probably meet in person, maybe. So you may have decided to take it to physical (laughs) in-person dating with someone, hopefully one person, and you're not (laughs) dating too many people. You're keeping your quarantine pod small. But you know, I think what is really interesting about that Venus in Gemini retrograde is that it gave us an opportunity to get really clear on what we want. 
So maybe you spent a lot of time talking to someone on the phone or over FaceTime. And so you actually got to know them before you met them in real life and had that energetic exchange of being in the same, you know, in the same room with them. And so I think that we had a real opportunity to get to know each other intellectually because Gemini is ruled by Mercury. Mercury is our mind, the intellect. So we had an opportunity to create those connections. And as I'm sure you talk about with your clients, like that's an important part of the whole thing. Because if you have nothing to talk about at some point, you know, it gets boring. <laughs> so, so you had a real good opportunity to meet someone or to make connections with people that were on the same wavelength with you from an intellectual perspective. Now, the other thing about Venus and Gemini was that we really got a good, uh, we had a masterclass in identifying our beliefs and how we wanted to communicate those beliefs and our values. And so much of the summer or the early summer was really about that. So now Venus has gone direct and she's gone into cancer. And now we're all feeling mushy and gushy and lovey and dovey and excited to be home. Hopefully with that one person that you've chosen to, you know, settle in with for a little bit for this next bit of quarantine life, which I think is going to, you know, get amped up once again in the fall, Mm -hmm. just a warning. So yeah. So if you found someone that you really want to snuggle in with, you know, make that choice because I think we're going to have some more Netflix marathons in our future. So (laughs) what about for people who didn't meet someone during the Gemini period? So I think that this is a good opportunity for you to go out into the world and not go out into the world, obviously, physically, but if you are online dating or you are meeting people, it's a really good opportunity to go into it knowing what you're looking for because the retrograde has helped us get clear on what we want and what we value. And finding someone who's going to be in alignment with you on that is going to be a lot easier. Venus doesn't just rule romantic relationships. She rules all of our relationships. She rules our social life. She rules how we connect with women in particular. So I'm assuming that most of your listeners are women. So their friendships with other women have also been impacted by that. And I can't tell you how many clients have come to me this summer and said, I've broken up with my best friend, or I've broken up with my friend group, or I'm not, I don't feel as close to the people that I used to feel close to. And part of that is because what you value is really clear when everything is taken away. And part of it is this journey that Venus has been on. And part of it is eclipse season. And we went through a really, really intense eclipse season this summer. So all of that is to say that the framework is there for you to be really clear about what you want next. And if you're not clear yet, you're probably going to get clear once Mars gets going on its retrograde journey and finishes. So Mars and Venus are two of the personal planets, the planets closer to Earth. They retrograde about every two years. So they don't retrograde quite as often as Mercury. So Mercury retrograde, not that big of a deal. We know how to handle it. It happens three or four times a year doesn't last that long. Mars and Venus, when they retrograde, Venus in particular, really leave, I would say Venus leaves the most lasting effects from her retrogrades. But Mars also is something important to keep an eye on. So we have Mars right now in Aries. And so Mars is going to be, so Venus is like your feminine energy. The moon and Venus, those are the feminine energies of the zodiac. The sun and Mars really rule the masculine energies of the zodiac. So Mars is currently in Aries and he has been in Aries since very end of June. And Mars is going to be in Aries for the rest of this year. And that is, I don't want to say rare, but it's, it's rare. Mars usually likes to keep it moving. He goes fast. He's not, it's a real long retrograde. It's a long, it's a long time for him to be in one sign. How long is he normally in a sign? So he's normally in a sign like maybe six weeks. Oh, wow. Seven weeks. Like a lot. Yeah. So because Mars is going to basically, so a lot of times when a planet retrogrades, they'll not necessarily be at the end of that sign. So their retrograde will take them back into the previous sign. 
Mm-hmm. So when we had Saturn retrograde, we have Saturn retrograde right now, Saturn came back into Capricorn. He had gone into Aquarius. He'd spent a few months in Aquarius. Then he slowed down, stopped, turned around, went back through those degrees of Aquarius, went back into Capricorn, and he's still moving backwards in Capricorn. He's going to eventually in September, stop in Capricorn, move forward. And by the end of the year, he'll be back in Aquarius on his going on his journey into Aquarius. So a lot of the time when we have a retrograde planet, whether it be a slower moving planet like Saturn or a faster moving planet like Mercury, they're not always staying in one sign for the whole retrograde. Now, what's happening with Mars is that Mars is retrograding at 28 degrees Aries. So he's basically traveling the entire extent of Aries, other than 29 degrees, and then turning around and going all the way back and then turning around and coming all the way forward. And that's why we're having such a long period of Mars and Aries. Now, the good thing about that is that Mars is at home in Aries. It's his home sign. It's what he rules. He's the co-ruler or the traditional ruler of Scorpio as well. But modern astrology, we look at Pluto as Scorpio's primary Mm -hmm. ruler. So Mars is really the main man in Aries. And so every Aries, including myself, is probably really loving having Mars back in its home sign because it gives you energy. And I really feel like so many of us, I've had a lot of clients tell me the first few weeks of Mars and Aries, because Mars was in Pisces before this. And Pisces, Mars and Pisces is just, he doesn't get to be himself. You know, it's like feeling like you are, it's like when you put on someone else's clothes. It's just not you. It's just not how you want to be in the world. You want to wear your clothes that fit you. So when Mars is in Pisces, it's like Pisces is a really intuitive sign. It likes to go inward. It's a dreamer. It's into the fantasies. It's really much more into the ethereal. Not that all people that are sun in Pisces, that's how they are because our chart is made up of all 12 signs. We all have all 12 signs in our chart, whether or not we have planets in those signs. Mm -hmm. So when Mars is in Aries, Mars is very physical. He's into the tangible. He wants to move forward. He wants to move fast. He wants to get things done. He wants to get things started. Mars in Aries, Aries is the, is the match. So it's the match that lights the fire. It gets it going. So Mars in Aries is doing all of that for us. You might say that Mars and Aries is doing a little too much of that right now because there's a whole lot of fires that are burning. So, um, so Mars and Aries is really helping us find that motivation again. So I had so many clients of various charts, various signs reporting into me at the very beginning of Mars and Aries that, oh my God, I feel like my motivation is back. I'm excited to like get outside and run again, or I'm excited to get back on my yoga mat. And I just feel like I have the energy again because Mm -hmm. Mars and Pisces is a little bit in the doldrums. And then we're like, Oh, our energy is back. Mars is such a physical sign. Now, if you have been stuck in that place of in the doldrums of not really feeling like you have the energy that you normally have, then try to lean into that Mars. Find some sort of physical activity that is enjoyable for you. And I promise that like once you get your body moving, you're going to feel better. And Mars and Aries really helps us do that. So I've been feeling that personally. I've been feeling much more motivated to get moving. I've been feeling much more motivated in my work. I've just been feeling like I can get more done in a shorter period of time. And those are all things that Mars and Aries helps us do because it likes to, it likes to make it happen. It likes to push things forward. Now Mars is going to retrograde and that will be interesting. He's going to retrograde from uh, September 9th all the way to November 14th. And then he'll turn direct and he'll be in his shadow. It'll take a while for him to get to Sagittarius. He'll get to Sagittarius. He's going to pick up speed pretty quickly. He'll get to Sagittarius December 16th. So this Mars transit is really, really important. And not just because Mars rules the masculine aspect or the masculine energy in conjunction with the sun. I would say they share that Mm -hmm. role in our chart. But what's really important is that Mars is going to be squaring all of our friends in Capricorn. 
So Capricorn has kind of been the main event for the year and a little bit last year. We've been talking, I feel like I've been talking about Capricorn so much for a year (laughs) plus that I'm like, I, if I never talk about Capricorn for the rest of my life, it'll be okay. (laughs) We've talked Um, about all the Capricorn stuff in previous episodes you've been on. So we'll put those in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the deal. I talked a little bit about it. Saturn was in Capricorn. So Saturn rules Capricorn. It's where he's comfortable. He went into Aquarius, which is the next sign. Aquarius is all about futuristic thinking, innovation. Mm -hmm. It's the freedom-seeking rebel. It is the one who wants to be to its own drum, but also wants to feel connected to a bigger purpose that's going to serve humanity. They're the humanitarian. One of my favorite examples of Aquarius is Oprah. She's like a little bit, as much as we all love her, right? I love Oprah. I'm a big Oprah fan. So like we love Oprah, but she doesn't show that much of her private life. She does a lot of good work in the world and she kind of keeps a little bit. It's like her work is here and she's here. She has a distance between her individual self and her work in the world. Even though her work is hundred percent about making people's lives better, her emotions are kind of disconnected from that in a way. I don't know if that makes sense. Like she likes to keep her private life private and all of that. It's very, it's very Aquarian to me. This idea of like your work standing on its own and doing good in the world, but then also keeping your own emotional life and your own personal life apart from that. So interestingly enough, you know, Saturn went into, into Aquarius and things really took off, you know, things really took off with the virus. Things really took off with, we were, our conversations about, anti-racism took off. That was like kind of like at the tail end of Saturn in Aquarius. It then went back into, came back to Capricorn. And there's just a lot of things we, we really had, you know, one of the things that I think is very Saturn in Aquarius is this idea of universal basic income An Aquarius that I think is really prominent or a good example of an Aquarius is Andrew Yang. That was his big thing. And he's oh, he's an Aquarius. Aquarius. And he's an Aquarius, a lot of Aquarius. Oh, interesting. And that conversation, he really started that conversation in the mainstream. And even though he didn't get that far, right? Although I have several friends that were diehard Yang gangers. So <laughs> including my fiance, he was like, we're in the Yang gang. You know, he really put the universal basic income in the minds of the average American, in my opinion. I don't think yeah. it was as widely considered until he was coming up. And, and he, part of the time that he was really getting a lot of notoriety toward the end of his run was when Saturn came into Aquarius. So we were having these conversations about humanity and equality amongst all people. It's a very Aquarian idea. We're going to be revisiting that, and that's going to be a big part of next year. We got a taste of it. Saturn and Pluto met up in Capricorn at the very beginning of the year before Saturn went to Aquarius. And they were in the foreplay stage of getting together all last year. Mm-hmm. So that Saturn-Pluto conjunction was the ending of a lot of things for a lot of people, whether that was relationships or moving or jobs, and the beginning of a lot of things for a lot of people. And that's how astrology works, where we have this integration of cycles and patterns that overlay one another. It's not black and white. We're what it's, it's, you know, we had the Saturn Pluto thing happening. Stuff was ending, stuff was beginning simultaneously. And at the same time, Jupiter was also in Capricorn, not that close by. So Jupiter came into Capricorn at the end of last year. Now Jupiter has come and met up with Pluto and they're going to meet up three times this year. And now Saturn is close by. So the three of those planets are really close at those end degrees of Capricorn. And where's Mars? Mars is heading toward those end degrees of Aries. Now Capricorn is a cardinal sign and Aries is a cardinal sign, which means that they're the leaders of the Zodiac. They're the bosses. They like to make stuff happen and be in charge and be the ones that call the shots. And they square one another. A square is a hard aspect in astrology. We call it a hard aspect, quote unquote, which basically means it's a challenging aspect that creates tension and friction. And that tension and that friction is what creates change. It's what propels change. So 
we just had, we had Mars square Jupiter and then Mars square Pluto and then Mars is squaring Saturn. And then he's going to turn around and do it all again. And then he's going to turn around and he's going to do it one more time. The last time he does it, he's only going to square Pluto because Jupiter and Saturn will already be in Aquarius. And we'll get to that in a moment because that's really important. But this back and forth of Mars and Pluto in particular, or Mars squaring these Capricorn planets, but Mars and Pluto going back and forth, squaring one another three times before the end of the year is very important because that's a war energy. Mars is the god of war. Pluto is the god of power and destruction. So Pluto destroys things for the sake of transforming them. Mars, you can think of Mars as like a really spoiled child who if he doesn't get his way, he burns down the house. He makes everybody's life miserable. It sounds like Trump. (laughs) Well, he has a very interesting Mars. Most people put his Mars in the 12th house, but I would argue his Mars is definitely in the first house because he presents so aggressively. So you can imagine how he is in interviews where he just like, he leans forward in the chair and he presents so aggressively. That's a really unbalanced, low energy Mars. Like I'm going to be so aggressive that I'm going to make you uncomfortable so I can get my way. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine when Mars, the God of war and Pluto, the God of power get together, that it's not really good. It's challenging. It doesn't mean good stuff's not going to come out of it because as we know from this very crazy time we're living in, there are people that are doing way better because of the pandemic. I mean, I'm one of them. I'm one of them. My business is like way bigger this year than last year because of the pandemic. So there are good things that can come from these moments of tension and friction because a lot of us show up, we rise up from that friction but they're also really challenging. It doesn't mean that there's not challenging. It doesn't mean that it's not stressful to go through the process. Mm -hmm. So I think like most astrologers have predicted that things with the pandemic are going to get worse before they get better. And we're already seeing that. And one of the things we were really waiting to see when Mars came into Aries was to see how the Midwest would fare and some of the other states that hadn't experienced the pandemic so much in the early stages. So the pandemic really kicks off when Venus first, she was, she was guiding the path. She came through Aries and squared the Capricorn planets. And Pluto's the, also the planet of death. So, you know, needless to say, there's a lot of death happening. And it's not happening. And I want to say this, it's not happening because of the planet. Things happen because of people's actions. We just can find the parallels in why people act the way they do or how they're feeling emotionally or the energy that they're riding because of we're looking at the planets. But when we looked at 2020, you know, for years and said, wow, that's going to be a crazy year, who knew it was going to be a pandemic? Mm-hmm. It could have been a whole host of different things. Jupiter and Capricorn often indicates an economic correction. A lot of us were predicting another 2008 in terms of the fallout of the market and the housing market and all of that. So we could have had that, you know. I think right now that looks pretty good. (laughs) I think right now we would prefer that. It's not, it's really tragic, but not life or death. So, you know, we knew it was going to be something big. We knew it was going to be something that was going to shift the foundation that has supported us for years because Saturn and Pluto coming together after 36 years, they're not going to get it together again for 33 years. There's Saturn is our foundation and Pluto is that agent of transformation. And so the foundation that supports you has to be transformed. And for some people that's moving like yourself. And for some people that a lot of people it's moving right now, a lot of people are moving unexpectedly because of COVID. And then for some people, it's, you know, saying goodbye to a job that they've had for many years or saying goodbye to a relationship or finding a new one, whatever that is, or saying goodbye to a loved one, unfortunately, because I had a client yesterday who had two family members pass away from COVID. And, you know, if you're not one of those people, you're very lucky, but there are a lot of families that I 
have heard from someone in the family that they've had multiple members die because once person one person gets it, of course, it's like spreads throughout the household. So all of that is to say that the foundation that support us, even our immediate family, may have shifted in this time. And with these squares, so we had COVID really took off with the nicer planets. So Venus squaring, that happened first. And we were like getting that news. I think that might've been when Seattle had that little bit in the beginning. And then we had the sun come through and then we had Mercury come through. And like, I'm in New York City. Like we were going through that with the sun and Mercury and those are nice planets. Like they're like not looking for a fight. <laughs> so now, <laughs> so now you're like, so we, we looked out. We were like, we thought it was bad, but I, I was like, this is going to get worse and it's not going to be here. So, <laughs> so now, now New York is like, we're doing just fine. And everybody else is really, really getting hit hard. And yes, that's because they didn't prepare. And yes, that's because of a crisis of leadership. And yes, that's because Americans, for some reason, think it's more important to express their desire to be free than to actually be safe and take care of one another. But yeah, we knew that things were going to get tough, whatever that looked like when Mars came to square Pluto. And so we're having that for the rest of this year. So, you know, it's going to be intense for a while. Once Mars, you know, gets out of there mid-November, I think things are going to ease up. And then the good news is at the very end of the year, hopefully we'll be able to catch a breath in November. I really hope that people can be with their families for Thanksgiving and be excited for the holidays. And I'm really hopeful that we'll have a nice holiday season because, December 21st, which is the winter solstice, which is the day the sun goes into Capricorn. My favorite day um, of the year. <laughs> that's your favorite day of the year? Yeah. I mean, I love winter. I love Capricorn season. I'm a Capricorn. I just love that day. Are you not? A, that's not your birthday though, right? No, 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 no. It's my birthday. Yeah. Well, I actually do love Capricorn season as well because while everyone else is like relaxing at the end of the year, my mid heaven is at five degrees Capricorn, which is the start of your 10th house, which is the career part of it's your career destiny and all of that. So early January is like my time when I'm like, I need to get things going. <laughs> so, so for me, end of December, I'm like, it's Capricorn time. I need to get my shit together. I need to get ready. The sun is coming to my midheaven. I better make the most of it. So, <laughs> so you know, it's interesting because once we hit, it's a really, really big winter solstice this year. So definitely circle December 21st in your calendar. We're going to have Jupiter and Saturn come together in the sign of Aquarius, which is going to be the great conjunction. So we started this year with the first conjunction between Saturn and Pluto in 36 years in Capricorn. Capricorn is tradition. Capricorn is um, maintaining the traditions, the way things have always been. Aquarius, Jupiter and Saturn coming together in Aquarius is a very different energy because Jupiter is all about blessings and making things bigger. It Jupiter really, Jupiter's generally a really good thing. You're really happy to see Jupiter in your chart coming and touching anything, touching any of your personal planets and not in a creepy way. So I realized that sounded kind of creepy when I said that. Hey there, I wanted to jump in here real quick to let you know about a brand new free workshop I've created. It's called the five step strategy to banish anxiety and overwhelm in your love life. So you can attract a fulfilling partnership and live a life of purpose. In the workshop, I break down exactly why you're in the dating pattern you're in, the number one reason why successful women specifically struggle in love, and of course, what to do about it, and how to take the confidence you feel in the rest of your life and apply it to your dating life. And of course, so much more. If you like my style, my philosophy, and how I coach women on the show, you're going to love this workshop. I teach you the why and how behind a lot of what I do while even digging a bit into the science of love so you can begin to see real change in your own love life. It's really all of my best work in one place, and you can access the free workshop right now. You don't have to spend years in therapy or read every damn book in the self-help aisle to dramatically transform your love life. If you feel like you have it all but love, this is 100% for you. So grab your free seat at veronicagrant.com forward slash workshop. 
And now back to the show. So Jupiter and Saturn coming together is like a boon. It's a definitely an exciting moment where I think a lot of people are going to feel lucky. Interestingly, I've had so many clients come who have planets at that exact spot because of course, if you are becoming interested in astrology, there's always something going on that's having an impact on one of your personal planets, which is why you're seeking out an astrologer usually. And when Jupiter comes into Aquarius and meets up with Saturn, it's going to be what we call the Great Conjunction. It comes every 20 years. So it's the ending of a 20-year cycle and the beginning of a 20-year cycle. And so Aquarius says to me that we're going to be really focused on the future. How are we creating our future? What are we, how are we creating the next normal? Because at that point, fingers crossed, we're going to have this somewhat under control and we're going to be able to see the end, the light at the end of the tunnel and how we make our way out of this. And so that's why I'm so, so, so optimistic and bullish on the end of the year. And Aquarius also rules science and technology. So when Saturn was in Aquarius at the beginning of all this, I said, this is great. Saturn's in Aquarius. They're going to find a vaccine so fast. But then Saturn came back to Capricorn and things kind of slow. Like it's still happening. It's going on behind the scenes. But as that's happening, of course, we're seeing an uptick. When Saturn goes back into Aquarius and when Jupiter meets with it, I think we'll definitely see some real light at the end of the tunnel and some real information on when a vaccine is going to be available to the public. Even though, I mean, they're in phase three, they only have one more phase, I believe. I'm not an expert in all of that stuff, but it's coming for sure. I was reading a lot about it last week and I was talking to my mother about it yesterday and how, because they're so, because we're so lucky to have so much coronavirus in America, it's going to be so easy for them to create a vaccine (laughs) because the test cases It's one of the things about what I learned about. I'm not an expert at all. Please read this on your own. There's the phase four is basically having tens of thousands of people vaccinated and they go out to the world and they come in contact with the virus. And so normally with a lot of vaccines, it takes so long because it takes a long time to naturally come in contact with a lot of these viruses that they're creating vaccines for. Mm-hmm. But luckily, they can just come to America <laughs> and then there will be, be no problem at all because one in 12 people has it. So they just have to go. I mean, they can just go to a Trump rally and they'll just be good to go. And then we'll just know if it works. So. Yeah, no, that's, I think I, that's true. I heard, I was listening to a podcast back in the spring and they were talking about that and they were saying, you know, it'd be hard to do it here because like the downside of at that point, like the whole is like hashtag stay home. Like everyone is staying home, whether or not the virus is bad in your area. And the host was basically saying like the downside of that is that it's really hard to, then, you know, test the vaccine because like we're doing a good job keeping the numbers down we'll have to go to like india or brazil you know because those countries were like you know ramping up but now it's like everyone come to america test your freaking vaccine so it's really interesting so there are companies in america companies in in europe there are companies everywhere that are racing to do a vaccine right and it's very funny because i had this conversation yesterday with my mother now one of the things that's growing in midst this time is the anti-vaxxer movement and I'm sure there's people listening to this podcast who are probably anti-vaxxers. But, you know, the truth is that the anti-vaxxer movement has sort of, there was a great article about how the anti-vaxxer movement and the alt-right have sort of met one another yeah. in this moment. And one of the reasons that we're having, there's a few reasons that conspiracy theories are really just taking off right now. One is the basic when things don't make sense, when you're having trouble making sense of the chaotic world, people go to conspiracy theories because they're easier to understand than a 40-page report from the CDC, right? right? That's one reason. The other reason, I'm seeing a lot of people turn to astrology because they're like, God, the world is so chaotic. There's got to be a way that we can understand this or make meaning of it. I think people are really trying to make meaning of it. So... A few of the pointers to that, Venus has squared Neptune several times this year. That can really get the conspiracy theories going. Venus was in Gemini, two choices, squaring Neptune, fantasies and illusions. You know, Mm -hmm. one side you're seeing 
the mainstream news. On the other side, you're seeing the QAnon Facebook thread. And then some of us are choosing, you know, NPR and some of us are choosing the QAnon thread, you know? So that, that was something that was going on. You know, Jupiter and Pluto, they're coming together three times this year. That is another reason I think we're seeing so much transformation because Jupiter, Jupiter amplifies whatever it touches. Pluto rules death. It rules power. It rules the secrets that underlie the surface. It rules transformation. So all of that is being amplified right now. Three times this year for them coming together is very rare. They usually meet up once and keep going. Three times is saying that wherever Jupiter and Pluto are meeting in Capricorn in your chart, wherever Capricorn is in your chart, there's something really to look at there because some sort of transformation is happening in that part of your chart. Anyway, so all of those things and Saturn and Aquarius, while it's great for advancements in science and technology, Aquarians love to go down the intellectual rabbit hole. So if there is like some research to do, find an Aquarius to do it. Aquarians and Sagittarians and Geminis really, really love to research. So what I'm finding is that with the Saturn and Aquarius, a lot of people went down that rabbit hole and they haven't found their way out. And when we have Saturn and Jupiter meet up in Aquarius, it'll be interesting to see if that stuff takes off even more. At that point, we'll be beyond the election, but it's seeming that that stuff's just not letting up right now. So I think there's good news to be had in terms of advancement with the vaccine and therapies in terms of the virus. I think there's also bad news in the same from the same sources because the people that are anti-vaxxers or are refusing to believe that this is true, there's a lot of material for them to get lost in on the internet. Yeah. So that's, so that's pretty much what's going on for the rest of the year. Look to December 21st. I'm hoping it's a light at the end of the tunnel, but I really do believe that we just had a full moon in Aquarius and, you know, we're moving into that Mars retrograde. And I think this is an amazing opportunity for us to get clear on how to create our next formal. So I would start creating that next normal now and be open and curious about it changing. Don't be so stuck. You know, I think one thing we've learned from this process is, is we can't be stuck or set on things in certain results. We can do our best to put in the work and see what happens you know, showing up and doing your best and then seeing what occurs from it. So that's kind of how I'm approaching it. And with that said, you know, like we were saying before, we're hoping to take vacations next year and and sitting and looking at your phone and researching vacation spots for 2021. I don't think that's a bad thing to do. We just have to be really open for our plans changing. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. That's the, that's the year in a nutshell. We didn't talk about the election. I don't know if you want to get into that. Yeah, I think we can. I, I know this will be probably a little longer than normal podcast, but I'm pretty sure my listeners will be like, it's okay. Talk a little bit more. I want to hear about it. <laughs> so the election can I ask is... you something though about that? Please, I was, yeah. I was just thinking something as you were talking about the Pluto-Mars squaring and like that energy. Yeah. So like when you're talking about Mars and Aries, that definitely sounded like Trump or like, like mm, yeah. Mars and Aries. And then you're talking about Pluto and that rule Scorpio and that's Joe Biden. Mm. Right. And so like who wins that war? Like does astrology tell us who wins that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting. So Joe Biden is a Scorpio, Trump is a Gemini. So Trump is a Gemini, the moon is going to be in Gemini that day. That has a lot of astrologers worried that he's going to win. I think the astrologers that are worried he's going to win are thinking that he's going to win through corrupt means. The thing about it, you know, I think that's a good point. The Mars and Aries feels very Trumpian for sure. I don't know. I think at the end of the day, it's up to us. I mean, I, tr- I always come back to this. You know, this is my, my motto is dictate your fate. And I really think it's up to us. Like I said, the planets don't make anything happen. People make things happen. Yeah. So people have to vote. People have to phone bank. People have to text bank. People have to talk to their family and friends and get them to vote. And, 
you know, if you're healthy and you can vote in person, I think that's great. And I think if you like, we're planning on voting in person in New York, cause I feel I voted in person in the primary with a mask and gloves on, and I felt safe doing it. Um, and if you don't feel safe, you know, make sure that you're going to get an absentee or write in ballot and get it in well in advance, you know, get it in. You have to get your ballot in. They're saying seven days before election day. Oh, I heard what, 14. Well, I think, isn't it 14 round trip? Either way, if you can get it in now, get it in now. <laughs> I it mean, also very much depends on where you live. Like Colorado, for example, I didn't even know they did this. They just mail you your ballots. You don't request Yeah, it. so that's the same in California and Oregon. They do that too. Yeah. And it's great. I mean, they all vote by mail. It's great. So I think that you have to vote. We have to take action. That's what we have to do. I don't want my prediction, of course, based on my emotional bias is that Joe Biden is going to win. I think I'm going to do some astropolitics bonus episodes on my podcast as we lead up to the election. You know, the oh, big, you're going to do one on, well, I guess at the time where you're, we're recording, you're going to do one on Joe Biden and his VP pick by the time this comes right. out. It'll already be on the podcast. So right now we don't know who his VP pick is, but yeah. we will shortly because he says he's going to be announcing soon. So I'm going to be doing like an astropolitics bonus series as we lead up to the election. The reason this election is so important is that we are, and I know this sounds so cheesy and like a freaking bumper sticker for Joe Biden, but we are actually for real fighting for what this country is going to be. Mm-hmm. for the next 200 years because Pluto takes over 200 years to go around the Zodiac. America has its own birth chart, just like you and I have our birth charts from the moment we were born. July 4th, 1776 is the birth chart for America. And there we have an, a time that they believe that the last signature was on the Declaration of Independence. So that's the time of the birth of the nation. And because of that... We know that Pluto is approaching its return to the very spot where it was when the United States was founded. We, you and I, will not have a Pluto return because we're not going to live 250 years. So a nation can have a Pluto return, and that brings about that fight for transformation. This is really that moment, I truly believe this, that we are deciding whether or not the American experiment works whether we are going to continue or whether we are going to let it fall away piece by piece because this insane reality TV star has hijacked our government. So, you know, it's interesting because Mercury was, I believe, retrograde last in 2016. I think so. And at the time, I remember saying Mercury was retrograde in 2000 when we had the hanging chads. And if you're too young to remember, <laughs> Al Gore and George W. Bush, they, there was this whole thing in Florida where the, there were hanging chads from the ballots. They were like, oh my God, we don't know what to count it as because the chads were hanging. I don't know. So I always think about the hanging chads when I think of Mercury in retrograde, Mercury retrograde on an election day. I believe we had Mercury retrograde 2016. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was the, it might've been Romney and Obama that we had it. But anyway, this election, we're going to have Mercury moving direct. So it's coming out of retrograde. So on November 3rd, Mercury is going to station direct. When a planet stations to retrograde or move direct is when we feel it most potently. So my feeling is that it's going to be a long day, a long night, maybe a long week. I think we might end up in a little bit of a 2000 situation because Mercury is going to be stationing that day to move direct. And the moon's in Gemini, which is ruled by Mercury. So definitely vote. Vote early if you can. Vote very early if you can. We're going to vote early in person. And yeah, that's all. I, I, I think that... Mars is squaring Pluto and Capricorn, 
but Pluto and Capricorn is only like two degrees from Pluto and Capricorn in the USA's chart. So Mars is not only squaring Pluto and Capricorn in the sky, Mars is also squaring Pluto in the chart of the USA. So it really is, Mars is the planet of fighting. So we really are fighting to transform our nation. Mm-hmm. And the question is like, who's going to win that fight? So the Capricorn is always about maintaining the tradition, which is so funny because, so the U.S. is like a very like crazy person. It is a moon in Aquarius, a sun in Cancer, and a Sagittarius rising. So, you know, we're risk takers and we value independence and freedom. And then we also want to take in your poor and your weary. We want to mother everyone. So it's a really interesting energy. And Pluto and Capricorn is sort of fighting for the old way, sort of fighting for the tradition and the way it's always been. So maybe it's a good thing that Mars is an Aries fighting to move forward. Hmm. We'll be holding our breath, that's for sure. <laughs> I know, right? I think the worst part is going to be not, I, I've heard on podcasts, like, we're probably not going to know for potentially weeks. And to me, well, that's like the part I'm dreading more than the lead up. I know. I was thinking the other day how I kind of missed the Democratic primaries. It kind of almost felt fun in comparison because we had so many great options and it just felt like the horn of plenty. (laughs) You know, it's so funny about Joe Biden because like, you know, obviously he's not a lot of people's first choice. Although a lot of moderate and pragmatic people are like, feel more comfortable with Biden because they thought that he was a safer choice to beat Trump, blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, like my Capricorn ways can definitely come out. And like, I was like, I really love Elizabeth Warren, except that I feel like Joe Biden can, is probably the most likely to be able to beat Trump. And this is obviously before like shit went totally haywire. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I can definitely like relate to that on so many levels. Yeah, you know, practical side comes out, but um, at the same time, I remember working on the Obama campaign, and like, we loved Joe Biden. We loved Mm -hmm. him. Like he was, and you know, here's the thing: a lot of people do. My fiance, his parents, just love Joe Biden, and they were like down with Joe from the get go. We were like anyone but. (laughs) That was like our take. I felt and, the same way. I was like anyone but Joe Biden, except of course I was battling the practical side of me. But, but like, I think I, was- I have to tell you though, I know a lot of people that are typically Republican that are, are very happy with Joe Biden yeah. as, the, as the person they're voting for. Yeah. So that's really the hope. But all of that is to say that, you know, Joe Biden is a Scorpio because that I see what you're saying. Like because Pluto is in that square with Mars and that's his ruling planet. And Mars is actually his co-ruler because traditionally Scorpio is ruled by Mars. In a way, it feels like he has the one up, I guess you would say. But on that day, we have that Mercury station and we have the moon in Gemini. And so it's really tough. But I think that the thing about Joe Biden that I think is so interesting, and I'll be talking about it as we lead up to the election more, because I'm going to look at his birth chart a little bit more, is that he is a lot of Scorpio. Not only his son, but his personal planets and his rising are all a lot of them are Scorpio, and it's all in the twelfth house. And so the funny thing about Joe Biden is that everyone is he's always like, "I'm Joe. I've been around since the dark ages. You know me. <laughs> like that's always his thing, right? His chart says we don't know him at all. Like, 12th house Scorpio, like we have no idea who he really is. And I don't mean that in a bad way. When I look at his chart, I see someone who was 100% here to be of service. One of the things that I thought was so... I read an article from... I forgot who. It was a Black journalist. And he was talking about how after South Carolina, like white progressives not understanding the appeal of Joe Biden. And he said that you don't understand the appeal of Joe Biden because we love Joe Biden because Joe Biden was okay being the second in command to a younger, a much younger black man for eight years. And that says that he's on our side. Mm. And I thought that was so profound. And when you look at his chart, when you look at his chart, like he's here to be of service. I think his mid heaven is Virgo. I have to look at it, but yeah, he's definitely here to be of service. 
I don't think he, as much as he's run for president so many times, I don't think he ever really wanted to be the main guy. Like that, like he might be a one-term president, like on purpose. Yeah. You know, I think he ran because someone in the democratic party thought it was a good idea and they needed him, you know? And I always said from the get-go, if he had come out and said, I'm running and here's my VP and this is what's happening, everybody would have run for the hills and nobody else would have run and we wouldn't have had that painful primary, which was entertaining in some senses. And I miss it because it's just better than talking about Trump. But (laughs) it's like, but my, my point being that I do think that he is here to be of service. He has had a really hard life. All of that Scorpio on the 12th house, he's an incredibly resilient human being. You know, he had a tough childhood and he's, he lost his wife and he lost his son and he's gone through so much death and destruction in his own life that it's a great metaphor for him to be the person that really heralds us out of this moment of death and destruction that we're living through. And I do think that that might just be his dharma. That just might be his life path. And because Pluto and Mars are so intricately woven into this time period where we're having the election, and those are his co-rulers, as not only a son in Scorpio, a person with a ton of planets in Scorpio. Yeah, it does feel really right. But who knows? I have no idea. And as I always say, you know, people make things happen, not planets. So if people are corrupt and they're up to no good, then who knows what will happen. I mean, it was really interesting. I saw my best friend sent me something from Twitter. She's like a Twitter fiend. And um, there was something about how there were some number thousands of votes from, I think it was Wisconsin that were never voted, never counted in 2016. And it was something that got buried on Twitter. And I don't know, I didn't look into it very deeply, but my point being that we really do have to stay on top of it and people really have to take responsibility and take accountability. And that's the only way things are going to change. But I do think that with all this Aquarius energy, which is coming at the end of the year, we are going to see Black Lives Matter get even bigger. We're going to see voter suppression issues be even bigger part of the conversation. All of those things that have started this year, not started because Black Lives Matter has been going on a long time. Voter suppression issues have been going on since the dawn of time. But that awareness and that taking up space in our media ethos, whatever you want to call it, it's going to get even more as we move into next year and we have Jupiter and Saturn in Aquarius. And I'm really hopeful for that. I think Jupiter and Saturn in Aquarius is going to bring more equality. And again, I think it's very likely that post-coronavirus, we're going universal basic income is going to be a widely accepted thing that should just happen under Saturn and Aquarius. So I really think that we're going to have more equality, more honoring humanity in a deeper way than we have before because of all of the stuff that's happening this year. Yeah. So I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful, but I do just want to get through November 3rd. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Heidi Rose Robbins, who I know, you know, she's a, another astrologer that I really love. Her dad, I guess, taught her astrology or whatever. And he's like a very Saturn, how do you say it? Like Saturnian, Saturn, Saturn person. Saturnian. Saturnian. He's a Saturnian person. Saturnian. Okay. He's a Saturnian, which means there's a lot of, I assume Capricorn and Saturns in prominent places on his chart. I don't know. I don't know Mm -hmm. it. But anyways, she always says that he says he's a short-term pessimist and a long-term optimist. And I'm like, oh, I can totally relate to that. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I have 2020. You know, it's so funny. I, so my astrology teacher recently said something to me. She said, there are Pluto people and there are Saturn people and you're a Pluto person. (laughs) And I was like, I don't even know what that means. But I think that means that I'm a person that's always seeking transformation and, and powerful and all of that. And Saturn people are generally really seeking for things to not necessarily stay the same, but we really steady. They like steady, slow I'm a Saturn growth. person. I would say that. Yeah. They like steady, slow growth. Pluto is like, 
oh, I'll fucking burn it down. I don't really care. It's fine. <laughs> like, and that probably is me. But I think it's really interesting because, you know, it is interesting. I, I, I agree with that. I think this year we have to be short-term pessimists and long-term optimists. Yeah. And that Saturn and Capricorn is really helping us to stay the course and keep plotting forward because this whole thing is about consistency. It's like, I mean, really, it's like being on a diet. It's like you can't be on a diet for one day and not another day. You have to be on a diet for three months to see any changes in your body, right? Maybe not three months, but whatever. Like the coronavirus is not like I wear a mask for three weeks and we're good. I just read something in the Times. They had something about the 1918 Spanish flu and how there was the same thing. People were like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to wear a mask. And they put in, I forgot what city and state it was, but they put in a mandate for three weeks of mask wearing. And at 12 noon, when it ended after the three weeks, everybody took their masks off and they threw them on the ground and they were stomping on them. And of course it came back. (laughs) So it's like, we, this isn't, you know, this isn't like a three week thing. And then we can just say we did that. So Saturn and Capricorn is helping us stay the course. Yeah. Well, I think it's a good note to end on. I've lost track. I don't know what time we started recording. I know this was a long one. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Um, So where can people come find you, get chart readings, learn more? Sure. Yeah. So a lot of people are coming for chart readings right now because people are so, there's just so much chaos and we're all trying to make meaning of it. But you can go to my website, veronicaparetti.com and look on the astrology tab. And I have two types of readings. I have transit readings and I have birth chart readings. If you've never had a reading before, birth chart reading is the way to go. And if you want to stay tuned with what's going on week to week, I have a podcast called The Essential Astrocast. And you can listen to that. And I talk every week about what's going on. And again, there's going to be some bonus astropolitics episodes. Mm -hmm. By the the time this episode comes out, you should have a deep dive on Joe Biden and whoever his VP pick was. Yeah. I mean, as soon as he announces, I have yeah. charts ready for a few of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah. it. And on Instagram, I post, usually I post what's going on with the moon every couple of days. Yeah. And you post like what's going on with Real Housewives. I don't even follow Real Housewives, but I can appreciate your passion for it. Cause it's like how I feel about the bachelor. You know? Yeah. So I, um, I love real housewives. My favorite way to do astrology is for real housewives and for politics. So <laughs> you can find me on Instagram at Veronica Peretti. And I do a lot of that in my stories. And right now we have three real housewives franchises on three of my favorites. So it's actually overwhelming. There's too many people to look at. <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing about it. I'm afraid like I would love it if I started watching it and I'm like, I have enough. It's so good. I mean, I honestly like, I feel like when you go on maternity leave, you should get into it, but just get into one. I mean, New York is the best all time best. Okay. Right now, Potomac is the best. Potomac just came back. It's so good. It's just the, the women are incredible on Potomac, okay. but New York is like all time the greatest. Yeah. I live for it. Scared, I, think I could get really lost in it. And I'm like, <laughs> is that you know, I feel like what I love about New York sidebar and this, I feel like some of your listeners will appreciate this. It's by and large, a woman of a certain age that doesn't get celebrated on television. Mm-hmm. You know, it's women who are in their, mostly in their fifties, one in their sixties, who are divorced and out there and dating and partying and having fun and living life. And I think that is so as wild as they are and as crazy as they are and as inappropriate as they are. I think that that is a really good message. Yeah. Like it's a really good message. And I also feel like one of the things I love about Real Housewives is that they're terrible people. And so often women in scripted shows have to be good people for us to like them. But like, I love the Real Housewives. Like, I do not care if they are horrible people. I still love them. I still want to be friends with them, you know? (laughs) And I think it's really cool that we're celebrating women that are far from perfect. They are on TV because they're not perfect. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's something really powerful about it. 
deep below the fact that I just really enjoy it. Because my mother is always like, how do you watch that? They're just yelling at each other. And I was like, you know what though? Like, I think it's good that we get to see women drunk and angry on TV. We should get to see women drunk and angry on TV because men get to be everything in scripted television, you know? Okay. You've got me thinking about it. (laughs) So that's my, that's my very feminist version of it. But um, I'm sure that other people will disagree with me, but I love New York. I like, this is, this is crass, but I always say this to Brian. Brian's like, I can't watch New York. I'm losing brain cells. And I'm like, (laughs) listen, I want to watch 50 year old women who are divorced, who are drunk and chasing men. That's what I want to watch. That is my ideal television. (laughs) 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 Like I was like, but other franchises have their kids. I'm like, I don't want to see your kids. I don't want to see them. <laughs> Put the kids away. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what these people are doing at home. They need to get out and get drunk and chase the men. <laughs> <laughs> it basically sounds like The Bachelor. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, not. I mean, I think that, that so the premise of The Bachelor never got me into it because I felt like, I don't know. It's really cheesy. Oh, yeah. That's why I like it. Like yeah, I'm not into cheesy. I'm not into cheesy. I like more like trashy reality TV. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I like. I, I don't know if it's well. I guess the Real Housewives are trashy. I don't think they're that trashy. I think there's way trashier things. We're very into 90 Day Fiance during quarantine. That's no, you're quarantine the second show. person in like a week that told me I should watch that. Yeah, we're so into it. It's fascinating. We have since quarantine started. We've binged. We're up to like the last season. We've gone like the whole way. Okay. I'm like, I'm literally creating a watch list on, on Netflix for maternity leave. 90 day fiance is good. I mean, it's just, their episodes are long, you know, and they're a little, it's not housewives. I think housewives is the jewel (laughs) of reality TV, but it's definitely entertaining. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. I'll keep that in mind. Well, thank you so much again for coming onto the show. I so appreciate it. And everyone go listen to Veronica's podcast, find her on Instagram. If you want to get a reading. I recommend Veronica. I've gotten a reading with her before and it's amazing. So there you go. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Love Life Connection podcast. You can find the show notes for this episode at veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast. And that's also the place you can sign up to be coached by me here on the show. And if you love this podcast, please leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. It helps more incredible women like you find this show and find real love. Until next time, remember, wherever you are is exactly where you need to be. You're not broken and you don't need to be fixed. Just because you've never had the relationship you want before doesn't mean you can't have it now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.